and welcome to Cathode Ray Mission, uh, where we are checking out the world of streaming, streaming content, streaming movies on all the platforms while we're in quarantine. Uh, I am, as always, Will Scoville in Berkeley, California. With me, as always, is uh, in Oklahoma City, Randy Heyer. Randy, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, Will? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm doing well as well. Uh, this week... <laughs> We have uh, an older movie uh, that I really enjoy. Um, this is 1950, uh, Nicholas Ray, Humphrey Bogart, starring in In a Lonely Place, um, which is a story about a, um, a, a screenwriter, fairly successful screenwriter played by Humphrey Bogart, who uh, is somehow gets caught up in a murder of a coat check girl and is, uh, becomes um, kind of a suspect because he was the last one seen with her. And a relationship forms between him and her neighbor, uh, but um, the neighbor, as they get closer together, suspects him more and more of this murder. Um, my history with this movie is that I used to work as a projectionist in San Francisco for a private uh, movie screening club that showed 16-millimeter film noir movies and this was one of them that I watched there and I really enjoyed it um, so it's up on Criterion right now and Randy I think you had never seen this before um, so I was interested in seeing what you thought and um, yeah so why don't you why don't you tell me what you thought of this <laughs> since you said you had an opinion <laughs> yeah 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 um, yeah I not only had I never seen this movie this is crazy since we're, I'm a co-host of a movie podcast. This is the very first Humphrey Bogart movie I have oh. ever watched. Wow. <laughs> I was looking at, so it's like, oh, yeah, Maltese Falcon, never seen it. Yeah. Casablanca is the main one you think of with him. But when I was watching it, I was so surprised. He looked different than what I thought he looked like from paintings and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He had a real... His teeth are, I mean, he just kind of has like a Phantom of the Opera, yeah. gaunt, weird, creepy vibe to it. It just seems like he should be playing, he should be in like horror movies or something with mm -hmm. his face like that. But he was, I mean, <laughs> great in the movie. I, that sounded like really fucking, that's no. not exactly, that's not what I mean, but it's just like for who he is, you know, he's like, He's one of the, the big classic leading men uh -huh. in Hollywood history. And it's just like, wow, this guy. And he's old, too. He's I mean, not that he's old. Like, he's, he's not. Like, he's like 51. Maybe, yeah. Um, I mean, how he, old is the woman is like 19 or something. Something like that. Uh, but there is that scene um, when he's got his cop friend and his wife over for dinner. And mm -hmm. he's talking about being a writer and how he would come up with a murder like that and he kind of has them act it out and they do light him and they do make him very creepy in this movie and I think yes. that's that's a big point is like making him really kind of like because he's got a temper and that is what fuels kind of a lot of the suspicion he does he's like a super bad guy yeah I mean I mean all right so I haven't watched a ton of noir movies either i've seen i've seen a fair bit but i'm not like the most well-versed person in this kind of movie 
So I, I don't know. I did enjoy it. It did what I a lot of those movies. I think it's just a product for their time. And I was reading differences between the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, the book sounds a lot more interesting to me. Um, I and I've read the book as well, and so it is very different. Yeah, and uh, so it's just like there's just something about at the end. I'm so, my my thoughts are all scrambled about. I just watched this movie. I'm just going to go ahead and say what the end is. The whole movie, you think that he's maybe the murderer, but then it's like, no, it's this other guy. It's the guy that he was like, I think he's the murderer. And they were like, shut up, dude, <laughs> like in the middle of the movie. And it's like, no, he was right. And at the end of the movie, it's like, you're supposed to kind of feel like bad for him or something, mm-hmm. but he is just like choked out his yeah. girlfriend. And you're, I think the intention of the filmmaker was to be like, oh, you fucked up, lady. And it's like, no, I mean, he fucked up big. T- and also, yeah. he, like, almost killed that. There's like, there's, like, all these moments throughout the movie that lead you to believe that he's the actual murderer. Mm-hmm. Where he, like, for instance, there's this part where he gets in, like, a car, like, a minor car wreck with this guy. It's just like a paint scuff or something. And like he basically gets out and almost beats this guy to death. He like he picks a rock up. He's about to like crush his skull mm-hmm. on the side of the highway until his girlfriend, who is like 19 years old, he is like <laughs> 51. He's like, no, don't do that. And so, um, I don't know. By the end of the movie, I'm just like, it'd be better if he was just the murderer, in my opinion. It, it was weird. The ending was weird, and I did not feel bad for him. <laughs> right. So here, here's the big take from this is that, and what I kind of like about it is that, you know, from the very beginning that he didn't do it. Um, it's pretty clear. Um, and so through the rest of the movie, through his actions, they try to change your mind and try to, to get you to suspect that he did in fact do that. And yeah, that, wonder like, whether or not he, he did and change your mind in that way. And then at the very end, he's, it turns out, okay, no, he, he never did. Um, in the book, he is, he is that guy. He's just like a crazy dude uh, who has like awful thoughts about women specifically. And there's no question about whether or not he killed these people. Um, and then in the original movie, what had happened was that he never killed this coat check girl, but through him just having a temper and the escalation of their relationship and where it goes at the end, he does end up like choking her to death. Um, I thought that was going to happen. Yeah. And so that was going to be that he ends up being a murderer, just not the murder that everyone thought he was. That would have been a way, but that would be like some tales from the crypt ass shit. Yeah. And, 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 but like both Bogart and the director, Nicholas Ray said, all right, that's no way to end this. Like, the relationship is going to end, and neither one of them is going to change necessarily because of it. Um, but, you know, it has to almost get there, but it can't quite cross that line. Right. Um, so it's, uh, it's a very interesting movie. It's, it's uh, especially for the time. Uh, it is. Nicholas Ray is an interesting director. He did Rebel Without a Cause uh, with uh, James Dean. Never seen it. Never seen it. You've seen The Room, though, right? Uh-huh. Okay, The Room is like... There are, like, lines ripped directly out of that movie uh, in I've The Room. I've seen 
um, the Sopranos episode where they're doing it as like an acting exercise. And oh, are they? Or Maltesanti cries and runs away or whatever. Are they doing the you're tearing me apart uh, scene? Because like that's that's James Dean saying that. I think it's like him, him like, I love you, dad, or some. He's like yeah. down in his dad's feet or some shit. Yeah. That's the I can't scene. Remember. I can't remember. That's an interesting movie. And like Dennis Hopper is in that movie. Um, as like yeah. one of the goons. Uh, but um, so Nicholas same Ray is Frank Booth is the same universe as uh, yeah. Elva. It's just young Frank Booth. Anyway, sorry, go on. Uh, so Nicholas Ray, uh, Gloria Graham is plays Laurel in in this movie. And in real life, she was married to um, the director, Nicholas Ray. And so odd thing that happens is that kind of during this movie, their marriage is falling apart, in part because uh, Gloria Graham is supposedly having an affair with Nicholas Ray's son from a previous marriage, who she will end up marrying. Um, So... He is about 13 at the time. Uh, uh, the son is? Yeah. So at the time of this movie. And so that's when it supposedly started. Now, Gloria Graham is going to get married in between divorcing Nicholas Ray and then marrying his son. Um, but that does happen. I think she has one or two kids with Nicholas Ray and then one or two kids with his son. So, yeah, that's wild. So she's um, 27, 27 when this comes out. She looks a lot younger than that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this, this movie, it's... Uh, she's like a pedophile then, dude. She had sex with a 13-year-old boy. It was, ne- it was never proven. Um, and there's a couple biographers. It's very disputed. <laughs> okay. not that and I mean, everyone's sorry, long dude, dead. That's, just like, that's a hard fact to, to drop. <laughs> not a fact, but a, a rumor. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about that. Anyway. Yeah. The, that's like <laughs> that's undis- indisputably pedophilia. If that's <laughs> anyway, Go on. So, yeah, it's just there's a lot going on kind of behind the scenes of this movie. Um, and then the writer of the original novel, Dorothy Hughes, I really like a lot. Uh, she also wrote. Yeah, she, she wrote uh, uh, Ride the Pink Horse, which is also made into a movie which I also absolutely love. And that's, there's a Criterion edition of that out. Yeah, you um, brought that up a bunch. We should yeah. actually, until today, when I looked it up, I thought it was a Western because of the name. Nope. It does take place in New Mexico. I thought like, it was like, uh, just a kooky Western that you loved or something. <laughs> it takes place in New Mexico? Yep. Um, I've never seen um, Touch of Evil. Doesn't that take place around there or like maybe yeah, Texas or something? It And it crosses the border into Mexico. And I think that Charlton Heston is. Yeah. He, he's it's ugh. unfortunate, right? Yeah. He, it's like brown face or something. Yeah. Like yeah. And I don't know if he's like, I don't know if he's, I think he's like a Mexican uh, politician. I think he's, but he does work in America. Like, cause he's, a politician in an area that's like on the border. So he does like mm. a lot of, he has to do a lot of, work. I don't, I can't remember. Huh. I, I haven't seen that in a long time. I have seen Ace in the Hole. Speaking of desert noir though. I haven't seen that one. Is that where there's like a guy stuck in the hole and, mm-hmm. and, and Kirk, Kirk Douglas, Kirk Douglas is, shows up and he's like, 
trying to exploit it basically. Yeah. Because he's a newspaper man and he wants it to the story to like last for a long time. Uh, what, yeah. what is uh, there's a there's a movie I just got uh, with Kirk Douglas and it's from like uh, 1983, mm. uh, and it's a sci-fi movie. And I gotta find it because it is it is just wild. Um, oh, from 1980. I'm sorry. So it's post Star Wars, and it's called Saturn Three. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You've seen that? Him and Farrah Fawcett. Him right? and Farrah Fawcett, and then also Harvey Keitel is in it. Yeah, Super young Harvey yeah, Keitel. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that movie's like sexy, right? Yeah, it's, it's all about wild. sex and shit. Um, Probably got the worst fucking politics ever. Yeah. So. <laughs> so good. Hell yeah. Um, that and the Fury is another good. We're getting way off topic. I know. <laughs> the Fury is another good later period Kirk Douglas sci fi movie, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I do kind of have a history with this movie just because it was like part of my San Francisco upbringing uh, when I moved here, you know, this job I got with these people and. This, this thing I was doing, and it was a movie that really stuck out uh, from some of the, frankly, trash that we watched in that club. And uh, so, there, you know, there was a couple that, that really stood out. And this one we showed multiple times, and we ended up doing a crossover event with my school when I was still in school there. Um, and we showed this one as kind of an intro to a lot of, a lot of students to, like, what noir can be where a lot of kids have seen like the third man and understand that side of it, where this is a lot more subtle, takes place in Hollywood, uh, you know, made in 1950. Um, and so it takes place at another time in in another place and it's a different style of of the same movement. You know, I did, I did like it. I liked a lot of things about it. I just, where the story ultimately went, I was like, just kind of like fuck this movie like at the end I guess you know but it's like it is a product of its time yeah. etc but there are movies from that time that get things more right I think maybe and also I am I'm always just like I want a darker ending you yeah. know I, I want it to be more of like a straight up gut punch and maybe <laughs> it that the ending of this is I guess if if that kind of thing would, you know, get to you or whatever, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Because at the end it is, they call they call up after he's choked her out, almost killed her. They get a phone call being like, hey, you know what? Sorry about all that. Uh, he's not guilty at all. Just the dude he thought was guilty is, you know? Yeah. So it's like, and she's like, oh, this would have meant everything yesterday, but it means nothing now. I mean, and it's like, <laughs> well, it's like, okay. He so just here, choked you up. Be a little more. I don't know. I'm just like, well, here's Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> here's the thing. She, like, everyone, everyone knows that he is a violent dude, and everyone kind of excuses him throughout the whole thing. So it's not just her, and so she's enabled by everyone else, kind of accepting this. Even like his agent, when he like punches him in the nose or whatever, and yeah. Like, and, you know, getting in fights at the club at the very beginning. And so everyone just kind of, like, knows who he is and then does nothing about it. But then also he does he does um, know when he, like, afterwards, like, he's got a hot temper, but he's always apologizing to people whenever he does fuck up. 
He knows he knows it's a flaw of his. He can't, and then he has a trouble controlling it, but he always owns up to it. Um, that's, that's true, I guess. And so that's that's a big thing about like when people start to suspect of like, well, you were the last person seen with this girl, but what reason would you have had to just throw her out of a moving car? Um, and then the other thing that you always you always talk about when you fucked up because like that guy that you mentioned that he almost kills uh, goes and like pays for his car to get fixed up and pays for his like hospital bill. He like sends him a, he sends him a Western union check, you know, and says, he sends him like 300 bucks and says, Hey, I'm really sorry. Uh, like, fuck you though. Like, yeah. Fuck, fuck him. Yeah. Yeah. I know. He says, I'm sorry. A lot of people who abuse people, no, and it, uh, and he's know, not I mean. he's not a good guy though. It's just that he's not guilty, and there's a difference. There's a he's huge, not guilty of murder. He's not guilty of murder in this situation. <laughs> he is guilty. He is guilty, just not of the crime that people think he he's guilty of. Right. And, um, yeah, it's just like well, if you keep acting that way, of course someone's going to think you're guilty of this. Of course that's going to mm. stick sometimes. Um, and that it almost drives him in more than one occasion to actually almost kill someone. And so he's fully, fully capable of doing it. And so they're right to be suspect of him in the first place. So whatever. It's, um, it's an interesting movie. It's, uh, it gets pretty intense. I think Humphrey Bogart is great in this movie. And he is good. I, I like you when I first watched this, I had never seen a Humphrey Bogart movie. And yeah. And so this was the first one I had watched all the way through. And, um, and if you want to see some, you want to see him do a completely opposite, uh, first of all, Maltese Falcon is really cool. Uh, but also dark passage is super goofy. Um, it's another noir set in San Francisco. It's really, really goofy. Uh, and you should check that one out. (laughs) (laughs) It's super funny. Um, but yeah, this is something that really got me to to want to see more of what he did, and um, you know, it's it's really he's got an interesting career as well, and you know, if you you should do yourself a favor and kind of checking out both his highs and lows. Like High Sierra is very cool. Sierra Madre is very cool. Um, I said I'd never seen anything with him. I have seen the Tales from the Crypt episode. Where they like <laughs> the Robert Zemeckis one. Yeah, yeah. They like used his likeness basically and have someone impersonate his voice. It's like a yeah. hardcore Henry POV shot episode. It was post Forrest Gump, I think. Uh, Cause they had, it was like an event episode. Yeah. They had Hitchcock in the, in the like Crypt Keeper talking to Hitchcock. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Not my favorite episode of that show. And I do like that show a lot, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Well, cool. Let's take a quick break and come back with the, uh, the rating and, and recommendations. Hell yeah. Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. 
Hi, I'm Paco Romaine. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. Hey, everybody. My name's Dane. And I'm Jimmy. And our podcast is called Bubbling Questions. We do Would You Rathers from listeners and a Twitter bot. Along with one-person game shows using ridiculous stuff we find on the internet. Like, what kind of ridic are we talking <laughs> I shall not tell you. Okay. All from our very real hot tub. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very real. Uh, not a gimmick at all. <laughs> Find bubbling questions wherever you get podcasts. And I'm Jimmy. <laughs> all right, we're back from our break, and we're ready to rate this movie. Randy, what did you rate this movie? Well, um... Well, I, I thought it was pretty good. I, you know what? I enjoyed it. I just didn't. The end, I was like, uh, I don't know. It's it just the end kind of soured me. I was like, is this the journey we've taken? Yeah. You know, so whatever. But it's a well-made movie. It's well, it's really well acted. Even though it's from 1950, the pace was very good and it looks good. And I mean, I like noir and stuff like that and it's it's a fun fun movie so i give it three and a half out of five stars i give this one a four star it is one that i can watch over and over again i watch it every couple of years maybe maybe every once a year um i really like it i really like the performances in it it's one i think about a lot um and again i've read the book as well uh, after watching it for the fir- after watching it a couple times um, that's also kind of like colored by my personal history with it. Um, so there is that, but I do think it's good. And, you know, there, there was a reason that we showed this at my school, um, because it is a good introduction to, uh, kind of the, the, um, uh, the variety in noir that was coming out, uh, in America around that time. And especially, uh, going into the 1950s where, you have a certain kind of idea of what noir is, but there's so much more that it was and what it could have been. Uh, and this is, uh, shows very well like that. And it, because it's just, you know, it's set amongst, you know, people working in Hollywood, um, a screenwriter and people living in these, you know, it's all set in this bungalow. Um, if you've seen, um, Mulholland drive, uh, that bungalow that they're, they're living in, it's the same setup this whole movie. Uh, and so it's, you know, you kind of get to see that from a different uh, time period and what it looked like when people were actually working there. So um, yeah, four stars from me. Uh, if I were recommending another movie, uh, I would definitely recommend uh, Ride the Pink Horse. It's the, uh, another Dorothy Hughes uh, adaptation this time from Robert Montgomery, uh, whose previous movie lady in the water, I think. Uh, or is that that Shyamalan movie? Shyamalan, yeah. No, it's, Sh- it's something Shyamalan. similar. 
lady and the something, but it's all, it's all first person. So it is very much like that hardcore Henry. Um, I never saw that. I don't know why that's my example. There's probably like other movies. That's, I mean, that's a recent example though. Maniac, that Maniac remake. Maniac. Yeah. All POV. Um, and then, uh, dark passage, uh, is also partially in first person when he escapes from Alcatraz. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, Ride the Pink Horse is a big one I would recommend. Uh, and then I would also say Dark Passage for a very opposite uh, take of this uh, of a Humphrey Bogart style movie. So, mm. well, I would recommend. And here I'm going to show uh, my ass a little bit here. Like a lot of the a lot of the noir movies I've seen are just the criteria, the ones that Criterion has put out, you know, and made made available to me i have not really ventured that far out of, of there but like the stuff that i really have gravitated towards in those is i love like uh jules dawson's movies like rafifi and night in the city are both excellent night in the city is uh, very good noir movies and i love um the curacao like high and low and the mm. bad sleep well are excellent excellent uh like thrillers they're like fucking those movies are just that's like the god the god movie kind of and i want to go back to night in the city that one's really great if you're into wrestling at all because it happens at a time when wrestling is going from a a real competition to the spectacle event that it it is today like the wwe and Mm -hmm. so a big kind of uh, underlying storyline is the transition from that one type of show to a new type of entertainment show. And it's, it's a very cool way to uh, look at that through uh, a crime story. Absolutely. And it, it's maybe the first movie I was thinking about this that has um, an ending where it's like everything worked out and then he just gets killed yep throwing it they throw him in the river that's and then yep. the movie just cuts to credits yep it's like um that movie gamora that came out mm-hmm. about a decade ago that they copy that ending completely when the those two boys go out to do that murder and they just cap the boys cap them i don't know why i put it that way and <laughs> roll them into a, like a, a a grave or whatever wow. like uh, so many movies like that, Bad Lieutenant. There's just like, I mean, that ending is like, oh, so, I mean, I hate to spoil it, but at the same time, I think now that I've told you it ends that way, people will actually go out, like, seek it out, you know? Yeah. And also, I'd say Naked Kiss. Throw that one in there, too. That's just like a great, and that's a little more close to this, actually, mm-hmm. the one we just watched, where it's a little more, like, domestic and stuff. But it, fuck, that movie is pretty goddamn twisted that's uh sam fuller uh so anytime you kind of put him in the mix you're gonna you're bound to see something interesting Mm -hmm. uh well very cool uh i think that about wraps everything up for this week for in a lonely place uh anything going on with you uh randy oh not really i've got this cool podcast with my buddy will called (laughs) cathode ray mission uh I'm in a band called Chat Pile. We've you can find us online. We got a record out and whatever. And uh, maybe by this time, by the time this comes out, my solo stuff under Randy Rules will also be on Spotify. That's on Bandcamp though. You can find that. Yeah, you haven't pitched that. I'll put a link to that. And I haven't thrown that out there, but I got that music too. I got lots of 
Lots of music and lots of things like that. You put out a lot of stuff, and I'm and you put out a lot of different stuff, and I'm I've been a fan of it for a long time. So I think, uh, yeah, like people should seek it out because there's a, there's a lot of it. There's quite a bit, um, and it's all good, it's, and it's very eclectic, and I love it. So. Well, appreciate it, friend. Yeah. That's all I got to plug. Uh, cool. I've, I've got shows. Check out my Instagram for more info, other podcasts. Septoc, Nerd Rage, The Great Debates um, are the two ones I put out every week now, along with this one. Uh, one is documentary reviews, and the other one is a game show. Um, so, uh, yeah, check those out. Uh, and, yeah, that, that just about wraps it up. And I guess we'll be back again next week. Hell yeah. Ooh.